I'm going to use a word that's about to tug the strings of your mind in one direction or another. A word with a long lineage of philosophy, science, proto-science, pseudoscience, and once upon a time was placed into the domain of magic. A word that will either light your imagination ablaze or douse the small kindling of interest that's hopefully been sparked by a nebulous opening. The word is alchemy. Alchemy is a deeply rooted and internally diverse set of traditions ranging across much of the world. In the traditional stories and legends, the alchemical process was meant to perfect things, to bring them to a final and flawless state. In a positively reductive sense, alchemy sought to accomplish this perfection by three methods. Transmutation, purification, and immortalization. But in several alchemical traditions, such as Nadan alchemy, as practiced by the Taoist alchemists of China, this sort of physical alchemy was the lesser of two distinct kinds. For many practitioners, external material alchemy was the introduction to something much more powerful and important, internal alchemy. The alchemy of the soul, or mind. This internal alchemy was even more esoteric in one sense, but in another far more applicable, that by means of spiritual practice and mental exercise, one could reach a transcendent state of self. Alchemical processes and symbols have been famously used by psychoanalysts and psychologists like Carl Jung, who has written massive texts on the subject, as powerful metaphors for personal and very real psychological transformations. In the legends, the primary method alchemy used to achieve perfection was transmutation, to take one thing and turn it into another. And on the internal, attitudinal front, I'm not sure there is anything more immediately transmutative of ourselves, our perspective, and our lives than gratitude. I'm Dean Delp, and welcome to the Modernist Monastery. ancient and likely unattributable proverb reads that gratitude turns what we have into enough. Pretty. But no amount of gratitude will turn nothing into something. Transmutation is turning one thing into another, not an act of creation ex nihilo. No one is more grateful for food than someone who is starving, and yet that gratitude has done nothing prevent millions of deaths from starvation or thirst since the dawn of civilization. Gratitude does not bring us what we do not have. Rather, gratitude turns what we already have into something more precious than it was before. The transmutation of gratitude is that wherever we apply its properties, the thing which is touched 
is raised in value. Like lead becoming gold, something which nuclear scientists actually accomplished at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory during the 80s, we can take the mundane, unremarkable, insufficient, or even unhappy parts of our lives and transmute them into something we regard as more. Indeed, finding the beauty in the beautiful, or the joy in the joyful, or the transcendent in the transcendent is easy. But training oneself to see beauty in the midst of ugliness, or joy in the depth of sorrow, or the enlightening in the ordinary, is alchemy indeed. Everything around us is only worth as much to us as we decide that it is. The alchemical property of gratitude is that by its application, everything we already have can become worth more to us than it was before, by a shift in how we place the value in our lives, for we love the things we treasure. In the New Testament, Jesus is thought to have said, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But no matter what we have or how much, we can only be said to be alive, wrote playwright Thornton Wilder, in those moments when our hearts are conscious of our treasures. We cannot appreciate what we do not even notice. Thus, can one actually be happy without also being grateful? Gratitude is a virtue that has been extolled and venerated by nearly every religious tradition in the world. But in the three Abrahamic religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, gratitude takes a fundamental place in acts of worship and is demanded in personal life as a universal. Like the legends of alchemy, this gratitude must be internal and external, inwardly felt and outwardly expressed. Any of us who have heard a Jew, a Christian, or a Muslim pray find expressions of thanks so common that we practically cease to notice them. Gratitude is deeply wrapped into the idea of praise or worship itself. In many Christian sects where the word Eucharist is used, the word itself comes from the Greek word Eucharistic, which means thanksgiving. In one of the five pillars of Islam, prayer is commanded at least five times per day, with expressed gratitude for God specifically intended as part of those prayers. Judaism has myriads of feasts and celebrations also intended to give thanks, as well as specific prayers, like the Amida prayer. Indeed, in all three religions, it is considered a divine commandment to demonstrate gratitude for everything. In the Quran, we find... The first who will be summoned to paradise are those who have praised God in every circumstance. And, if you are grateful, I shall certainly give you more. In the New Testament, we read, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. And in the Old Testament, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. And in the Talmud, it is also pragmatically written, when you have eaten your fill, you give thanks to your God for the good portion of this earth that God has given to you. So, at least in these three traditions, why is gratitude heralded as such an important virtue? Why would a God, who already has everything, demand expressions of thanks from his creations? Aside from the fact that God may simply like to be thanked for his contributions, 
something that everyone else likes too, the Abrahamic faiths give several answers. 1. To avoid disrespecting deity and improve our relationship with him. 2. Because it qualifies us to receive additional benefits, be they spiritual or material, from God. 3. To demonstrate appreciation for others and improve our relationships with them. 4. Because it will make us happier in our current situation and in the future. And 5. Because it will reduce our misery due to difficulty now and in the future. Regardless of your own religiosity or lack thereof, the last three reasons mentioned are equally applicable. You do not need to embrace a religion of any kind to want better relationships with other people, to be happier in the present, or to experience less anxiety when things inevitably go wrong. The question becomes, are Islam, Christianity, and Judaism correct in stating that gratitude will bring those three things? And will it still work, even if it isn't a god you are grateful to? Are these Bronze and Iron Age religions really onto something? And will gratitude work for you today, when therapy, antidepressants, suicide, and other vexations are more than common? The answer is yes. While mental outlook has always been studied psychologically, at least since the advent of the field in the modern day, gratitude has not been rigorously studied in a scientific sense until quite recently. In the late 1990s, American psychologist Martin Seligman, who, by the way, is still alive as of this recording, pioneered a novel field of psychological study he dubbed positive psychology. To anyone who has a familiarity with psychological research, his name is almost certainly familiar. His work on learned helplessness, for example, is widely cited and used today. As part of positive psychology, the term well-being was coined to represent the intrinsically valued and partly subjective life quality of any given person. Positive psychology is essentially a study of what contributes to well-being in humans and how to raise it. The classical Greek word for this exact same idea was called eudaimonia a few thousand years ago by even pre-Aristotelian thinkers. As such, gratitude was almost instantly an item of study within the field. What has been revealed and discovered in the last 20 years is frankly astonishing but only to those who didn't already believe in the spiritual value of gratitude. In fact, there is a notable link between gratitude and spirituality. Michael McCullough of the University of Miami has been doing research alongside Robert Emmons at the University of California on this very subject, as well as others related to gratitude. What they and many others have learned is heartfelt spiritual practice and belief almost always expands a person's capacity and consistency in being grateful. Furthermore, people who regularly attend some kind of worship service were shown to be far more likely to have a greater sense of gratitude in all areas of their life, not just spiritual ones. But whether grateful people become spiritual or spiritual people become grateful is irrelevant to the real benefits that come to those people. Gratitude, and specifically the expression of gratitude, also led to a decreased presence of materialist attitudes and reduced feelings of envy or jealousy specifically. 
However, it is important to note that in the vast number of cases, gratitude amplifies positive feelings, not minimizes negative ones. Thus, grateful people do not engage in a kind of positive delusion that denies the real difficulties of their lives. Beyond this, people who engage in habitual expressions of gratitude experience lower rates of depression and general stress response. People they knew also rated them higher in friendliness, empathy, generosity, and helpfulness than non-gratitude-expressing people. Even more interesting, was that the people who engaged in daily gratitude experienced a subjective decrease in physical symptoms of discomfort or pain from pre-existing conditions, and were much more likely to accomplish personal goals in career, schooling, or relationships over longer periods of time. Shocking indeed has been the studies demonstrating that many of these findings still hold true even among people with neuromuscular disorders. Union University, which has been around since 1795, as well as many other more contemporary organizations, have conducted research showing that gratitude exercises also reduce symptoms of eating disorders, and some forms of body dysmorphia. But what is it we are supposed to be grateful for? Can it really be everything? Even the bad things? While it is less present in Judaic scripture and commentary, Islam, and especially Christianity, have copious amounts of passages suggesting that we should be grateful for even the terrible things that happen to us. The claim being that in gratitude for those deepest tragedies, we rise above them and find peace unavailable any other way. In the traumatized, anxiety-written, antidepressant-taking, therapist-visiting world that we all live in, that we should, or at least might be, grateful for those terrible things which befall us is a radical stance. The seemingly paradoxical promise of peace that comes from this gratitude for our tragedies seems unbelievable. But the question is whether or not that's true. And is it true for people even if they are non-religious by nature? While it may be hard to swallow and difficult to understand, especially on an emotional or even moral level, research and polling data also suggests this to be true. The human heart, it seems, is a powerful thing. There is a small but very rigorous and rapidly growing body of clinical research showing that people who cultivate consistent and habitual gratitude and activities of gratitude expression are less likely to develop post-traumatic stress disorder after a personal disaster, and, amazingly, reduces suicidality in traumatized persons such as military veterans and people who suffer from the condition known as survivor's guilt. Additionally, there are many people in cancer survival communities, for example, and even people who unfortunately do not survive cancer, that unbelievably report being grateful in their heartbreaking circumstances or even for those circumstances. While this is by no means a universal response, those who do feel that way convey the mood that while they would never wish what happened to them on anyone, and while they themselves would never choose to go through something like this, they would not trade the experience for something different. They often claim that without the supremely difficult and wrenching trial, they would not have learned and grown in ways that, at least for them, 
ultimately, if subjectively, is worth the pain. If that is not true gratitude, then I am not sure what is. While this is almost impossible for us to grasp, at least for ourselves, unless we have gone through something of the kind or know someone who has, it is a powerful example of what can happen when we choose to be grateful, no matter how bad things get, or how little we have to be grateful for. Remember that gratitude is transmutative. It turns whatever it is we do have, even if it's bad, into something better. Yes, perhaps, even tragedies into treasures. In one of the many hadiths surrounding the Quran, it is written, Wondrous is the affair of the believer. Indeed, all of his affairs are good for him, and this is for no one but the believer. If something good happens to him, he is grateful, which is good for him. And if something bad happens to him, he has patience, which is also good for him. It seems that this may be right, that everything can be turned to good for those who believe. At the very minimum, at least those who believe in gratitude. It is now worth noting that gratitude is not usually a natural human inclination, except in situations of great privation and need. We take things for granted and lose our appreciation at shocking rates. In large portion, especially for those of us living in wealthy, industrialized nations, gratitude is something that has to be practiced, learned, trained, and developed. So how can we employ and cultivate gratitude in our lives and receive the benefits it can bring? First, it's important to recognize that you probably don't have copious amounts of gratitude just lying around your subconscious. It will likely be something you have to learn and exercise up from zero, so don't be frustrated or surprised when you don't want to do any of what I'm about to mention. While the internal state of gratitude is something that will grow over time, the outward expression of gratitude is something that can be formalized and turned into habit. For spiritual and religious people, daily prayer is a widely used method of expressing thanks. But if you aren't religious, or even if you are, there's a lot of purely secular methods to employ as well, and most of the research around gratitude has been using those secular methods. Gratitude journaling is perhaps the most popular and maybe most effective single method for cultivating thankfulness. Set a timer for five minutes, or maybe just choose ten things every day you are grateful for, and write them down, trying not to repeat things too often. Public expressions of thanks are very useful too, and social media makes this very easy. Engaging in a daily post of something you are grateful for is an easy way to develop gratitude. It will also have a shocking effect on the people in your social media groups, and you might be surprised to see other people joining you. Doing private and personal expressions of gratitude is also useful and enriching. Try telling at least one person every day something you are grateful for about them. Making a tradition with your partner of saying things you are grateful for about them every day might be a sweet and sensitive way to strengthen your emotional bonds. Giving genuine and reasonable gifts are also a great way to express gratitude for people around you. Buy someone lunch to thank them for something they did. These and countless other interpersonal gratitude expressions will help you develop a perspective of thankfulness throughout your life and improve your relationships.
These are just a few of the many, many ways you can formalize and make a habit of expressing gratitude. As you do, you'll find your spirituality increased if you are spiritual already, and your relationships with those around you improved in ways that might surprise you. You may be inspired to make other improvements as well, or even find strength and relief against the unhappy things in your life, be they physical, mental, social, or emotional. Gratitude may be a small thing, but large doors turn on small hinges. I'm Dean Delp, and this has been The Alchemy of Gratitude on Modernist Monastery.